Let's go. Welcome back to Bingetown TV's Rooks and Vets series covering Amazon's Carnival Row and God's Noose, people. We're at the fucking finale. Eight episodes down. So this finale, all of our plotting has finally come to light. They snuck us a little ass and titty this episode, but still no dick, the bastards. And uh, I, for me, for me personally, uh, I think the ending really set up well for season two and beyond. But uh, what do you guys think, Rooks? I just want to say dubs all around for me and Kathleen. Jesus, that was a really good uh, Rook moment for both of us. I have some things to say about Kathleen's theory later, but... I couldn't, I mean, I I really didn't think she was going to be right. I think it was because the way she joked about it, I just never took it seriously. It I don't actually, even know she took it seriously. Like, <laughs> like the Ezra Imogen thing, and then it just turned into that other thing. Okay, let me say, because I feel like you guys didn't believe me in the group text, I never actually thought that Ezra and Imogen were going to fuck. <laughs> but I thought it was funny to keep saying it. But no, again, I to, Kyle, to, believe to Kyle, I said, I honestly, even after this episode, I think Ezra wants to fuck Imogen. I think that <laughs> is a true statement. After how he reacted, him staring through the window at them fucking, I was like, you better stop. <laughs> but my my piety guess was originally me trying to say something outlandish. Your Sophie guess. Don't piety take the piety Sophie. guess from me. Yes, yeah, sorry. Piety <laughs> Sophie being mother and daughter yeah yes was me trying to be outlandish while still keeping it in the realm of possibility so i i that was one that when i said it i was like that actually sounds pretty good. yeah i mean you really threw me off with the way you were doing the image and ezra thing <laughs> so i really had no like i didn't even think twice about it. i was like haha that's it like and then when she said it piety says it in the episode i was like Kathleen, god damn it. So, <laughs> your sister. Jimmy, I gotta say, it fucking blew my mind at how you laid <laughs> everything out at the beginning, at the end of episode five is when you put it on paper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, already at that point, you pretty much nailed everything. And me and Kyle were doing our best trying to plant seeds of doubt in your head with the hair <laughs> aspect. Because we were just, we were texting after it saying, what the fuck, man? Yeah. I just want to say that when you guys last ep- podcast episode brought up the piety thing with saying, why would she give her real name? And when I was using that, I was using the religious thing as like a main part of my theory for episode five. When you guys said that, I was like, Oh, that's so true. Shit. And I was like, oh, I don't know what to do. I'm keeping my theory. It was fantastically written out and you you figured all that out. That was amazing. And Kathleen's guess of Sophie and um, Piety being related, I can't give you as much credit because (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that that was obvious or explicit and it seemed to me more of a guess. And if So, okay. Because because you used used ethnicity as a reason, which is... And, and Kathleen, I want to say they well, first of all, they really did cast them well. They look yeah. like they're related, but Definitely. meaning mother and daughter. But your guess was that Potty was trying to get Sophie out from under her dad and get her. Op- so you know. my original guess came from what the fuck is Piety doing? I was really just trying to think what what is why would she do this to Jonah? Whatever. And then it all lands back on. I want to call him Ritter Bane, but Longer Bane. <laughs> Ritter Longer Bane. And I was like, what the fuck? And then another piece was when she does, when she kills Ritter, they act like they're old friends. They that had, is true. They had like that. Emo- he looked at her like, oh, thank God. Help me. And she was like, bitch, you're dead. 
Yeah. I definitely put that in my notes. And that was a really good catch because in hindsight, that's definitely what it was. Mm -hmm. It was a remembrance of their previously established relationship, whatever they had going on. I'm really excited to get into the Breakspear stuff this episode because I thought he was just like another one of those old timey douchey dads that didn't give a fuck about Jonah. And now I'm like, this dude cares about Jonah. He was awesome this episode, wasn't he? He was really great. Yeah, he was good. RIP to the the boy. Spoiler alert, too. I also thought Jonah's best episode was Jonah became so established and and yeah. character growth just within this eight episode series I, all in this episode i texted you guys in the group chat i actually let it go right over my head or maybe it wasn't explicit i don't know that he would have became chancellor and i i should have known that because sophie jumped in for her dad when he died so i feel like i would have like messed around with some theories that way but the whole thing went right over my head meaning like, that you would have wrongly thought jonah could have been conspiring to have the, his father killed no i would have done more of like the whole just the fact that like I would have guessed that he was going to become chancellor by the end of the series just okay. because the whole time with piety and again this is wrong anyway but my theory probably would have been that piety is also trying to kill longer bane her husband because she wants her son Breakspear. oh breakspear i'm sorry breakspear because she wants her son to be the chancellor mm-hmm. because we were wondering i mean still that whole thing i guess we the whole thing with jonah was just to get him to piss off breakspear and get him on the right path i still don't really know <laughs> Now I'm thinking about what was the point. It Kyle? was to get point of what the point of, of her kidnapping, kidnapping Jonah. Jonah. I don't know. She just says that it's it was bigger picture, all for your own good. Well, I guess it was initially to get to kill Longermain. I would assume that's that was it. exactly what it could have been. Well, that's what I mean. That's what it is. That's where the that's, end that's game of, of that was Longermain. Yeah, but okay. what's the bigger picture past that? Bracefield was already the chancellor. Well, the, her big picture was. I don't think there was any bigger those? picture. Yeah. I mean, the bigger picture was that Longerbane. Yeah, Longerbane is the father. I would like to say, though, that the piety moment of her killing Breakspear is easily my least favorite piety moment of the end. She's like, tell me, tell me, just like killing it. I'm like, this is over dramatic. What's your what's your play here, bitch, that you don't want? He's literally saying it's fine. It's fine. You killing your husband isn't breaking the prophecy philo's still alive she wants answers she needs answers she needs the answers so her son can be a winner so i want to get into all this because because there's some crazy shit that i that i want to talk about once we get to that part but prophecy itself you're talking about like in the prophecy and sophie and jonah okay because they could technically be full brother and sister that's literally what they get into this episode yeah so let's let's jump into the episode and we'll deep dive that part when we get to it let go all right kyle take us through episode eight the gloaming yeah so we open with everyone's favorite storyline which is quill self-harming himself with his cult eventually he ends up murdering a puck guard from balefire from the parliamentary palace and uh stripping him of his clothes and that's a quick scene and then we we move on very quickly after the title sequence yeah right to a vignette hanging from the ceiling Mm. which is pretty jarring, but we know she's not dead. Uh, she kicks Dombey in the face, which is nice to see, but her escape attempt fails. So then we quickly move again. And now we're back to where we were at the end of episode seven. We have Absalom Breakspear accusing Philo of murdering Ashling. He tries to shoot him, but the gun misfires. That was crazy. Straight up would have shot him in the head. Yeah. This was my least favorite Absalom scene of part, I guess, of the episode because I thought he shined and became a great character by the end. But... He was willing to kill Philo right there. Mm -hmm. And then three seconds later, all Philo did was say, 
I didn't kill him. I'm asking daddy. Exactly. And he <laughs> let him go. That was it. That just didn't feel, that uh, felt a little sloppy. I think that Breakspear's a little stupid that he didn't put two and two together that that's his son. Like, he's like, Ashling's my mother. It's like, no, buddy, Ashling's my mother, wink. Do the math. I don't know. I took I'm 25 it, years old. Yeah, I took it like, wait, is Philo 25? No, I, I made that up. Gotta <laughs> okay, be first, I was like, what the? Seven. Yeah. You also made that up. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> I took it like someone in the typical in like the movies where they put the gun to their head and then they pull the trigger and then it doesn't work. And then they realize, holy shit, that just fucking happened. So I feel like he did that to Philo, went to pull the trigger, freaked out and wasn't able to do it again. And then let Philo kind of explain a little bit better. But it's not really that much better, but it gives him enough to. No. I the only like, thing is that, I mean, Philo kind of says that we're both in the same boat you know we're both trying to find out who did it and they both are accusing each other of it and yeah. i think that is what kind of settles the tension a little bit you do so, um, find out that absalom had true and genuine feelings for ashling which is a cool part of his character and that yeah. starts to make him a little bit redeemable he didn't just bang this random fay ditch her to the curb he cared about her and we can just walk through it because the next direct scene is Philo and Absalom, Philo now being free, talking about the backstories of both Ashling and Philo gives his backstory with Vignette. And all of this just makes Absalom way more likable. He mm-hmm. cared about her. And the only reason he was not in a position where he would live his life with Ashling was because of his overbearing father. Yep. Well, that's why I love the part where he's writing Vignette, the paper to get Vignette out of jail, to spring her from jail. And he's like, I'm going to give philo what my father could never give me which mm-hmm. was a sweet moment right before the stabbings but i, I jumped ahead <laughs> a little bit but it, it all it all goes in i mean it relates it is nice to know that you know this is a question that philo himself had you know what was my dad like like what was the relationship like were they in love was it a one-night stand and i'm sure it was obviously it doesn't change the past but i'm sure it was nice for philo to hear that you know his parents were actually in love Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a little sad that Philo, I think Philo asked when's the last time he saw her and he's like, she asked me to meet up one more time and I never showed up. And I'm like, oh, damn. Yeah. And Even that would have been when she was saying prick. she was pregnant. Yeah. yeah. And there's no way Philo could have known, but this was a huge downfall was actually going through and telling his backstory about Vignette and his love mm-hmm. with the Fay across Tiernanok because yeah. this is the information that I guess I guess gets impregnated on his liver. <laughs> that, is the, that is the craziest idea. Could you imagine if that was real? That be is like insane. Everyone would be killing everyone for their livers, like, <laughs> yeah. and every crime would just be solved right yeah. away. Liver alone, man. Liver alone. And that's what yeah. we get. Philo tells his dad, "Vignette Stone Moss is the full name," and then that eventually reaches Piety's ear. But, but this is just interesting because this is yet another layer of you know, the comment that we spoke about in episode three in the flashback episode when Tourmaline talks about how it's like, you know, the story as old as time or the oldest story in the book. You know, we're talking about the what the Kingdoms of the Moon book that he gave her is this story and the old story that in the Tiernanok book is this story and Philo and Vignette are this story and now Breakspeare or Absalom and, uh, and Ashling are this story. So it's just like the common theme throughout this is love and whether society, society rather accepts your love and what the lengths you're willing to go for that love. And also, I just think it's funny how they have the flashback of him and Ashling banging and it's just like, yeah, son, like used to give it to your mom in this room <laughs> and he just like hands him the drink and Philo takes a swig. It's like, oh, this is a nice moment. Philo's like, I know that game. Yeah, I've, yeah, exactly. I've been there, been there, dad. Yeah. Did her wings light up, dad? I was just gonna say that, you <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> Wasn't quick enough, baby. Uh, 
Probably not, though, because only FaZe can make other FaZe wings light up, apparently. Half <sighs> FaZe Philo gets it going. Only go. half the time. Only half. Half the time. That was a vet time. tip right there. Okay, now we're hopping to Agrius. Yeah, yes. that, that conversation ends with Absalom agreeing to release Vignette, sending him Philo oh, away sweet. on the carriage and saying, you know, get out of town, lay low. Change. You can even play dead. No one's going to know. I'll get your back. You died. That'd yeah. be sweet. Dude. That's where it leaves off. Also, yeah. he wishes he knew him better. Mm-hmm. Sad. Yeah, well, talk to your freaking son then. Figure out if you have a son. Talk to your freaking son. <laughs> okay, now we're with Agrius, and what's his um his Fergus? Fergus, Agrius, and Fergus are sitting in the living room, and Fergus is like causing a little bit of a ruckus. I was like, "Watch yourself, boy. What are you doing?" Agrius is scary. Don't rile him up. And he's basically just saying like, "Oh, he's just questioning about him about Imogen and saying." What are people going to think about? It's not even about you. It's about her. Yeah. Does she have the strength to deal with all this yeah. stuff? Mm-hmm. I get some gears turning in Agrius's head. Yeah. I was a little thrown off by how Agrius treated Fergus because he's been known to be at least seen on screen to be very nice to his yeah. all of his human servants. Yeah. <laughs> and then he calls he calls Fergus out, obviously, because he's feeling all these mixed, intense emotions that we have that we find out about later. So he doesn't know how to react. And Fergus just hits a pressure point. He explodes. He really starts digging into him. And, you know, you could tell that he loves Imogen. Yeah, Aww. of course. And then and then it cuts to Imogen's little walk of shame home. And she's just getting home. And, and Ezra's like, I checked in. Yeah. Whatever he says, he's trying to fuck her anyway. <laughs> oh, my God. It's her walk of shame. He is basically just being like, what are people going to think? He, he basically says to her, you know, people are going to start talking. It's the way that your agreement with him keeps up the way it is. You know, you guys are going out in public and stuff. And she kind of pulls the mask off and says that she's tired of keeping up these, you know, appearances. Like she is sick of living life that way. Well, this is and, where um, this is where uh, Ezra is saying that he's going to go check out the ship. And then Imogen says, let's bring uh, Agrius oh, yeah. over for dinner to celebrate. And he's like, what? What, another charade? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my. He's like, no, just to celebrate. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, as friends, and then he pushes her, and she actually drops. You know, he's just a yeah. puck. Yeah, no. I was a little sad by that. Yeah, have I been saying Pike this whole time? No, I don't. A couple times. Oh, really? Every time you say it, you correct yourself. So we also cover the hundred. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. We also do Paris too. Shout out Michael that. Beach if you want to be on the pod. Yeah, Michael Beach, <laughs> hit us up. <laughs> we move on from from the Spurn Roses where there was absolutely no sexual attention, Kathleen, none. Then we moved to piety. (laughs) We moved to uh, Jonah kind of walking through the halls of Balefire. Uh, He is kind of called out by piety, and she confronts him about spending time with Sophie because she's kind of saying to him that you need to look out for her and the Longerbrain family in general because they are twice as dangerous as the row itself. And can we call out that snitch-ass driver that we talked yeah. about last episode? The snitch one that we're just hanging out while Sophie and Jonah were banging in the carriages? Snitch. That's so funny you say that because my note is, Piety is like, your driver snitched on you, bro. Nah, <laughs> but really, she took his liver and figured it out, dude. <laughs> Could have, yeah. So I really want to get into this, okay? So they're having this conversation. Jonah's saying, why, 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 why? What's the deal? What's the deal? And she yells, you know, it's your sister, okay? Now... Kathleen called it. Okay. Victory lap. Kathleen's going to take the victory lap. Like I said, I had Woo. no 
I didn't even think twice about it because I thought she was joking and I just took it as a joke and I, and I was fine. I honestly think that I, w- I want to talk to you guys about this. I want to talk about the purpose of this reveal for the show and I want to talk about the cliche-ness of it as well. Wow. Okay, Sophie and... Don't laugh at me. This is my stance that I get in He's when, like, I'm, when I'm talking. He's like, I have a theory later. I'll get to it. Yeah, I have a theory about season four. <laughs> 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 so, so Sophie and Jonah are brother and sister. And later we find out that they could actually be full brother and sister, not just half brother and sister. What are you? I missed this. What? That is actually something I did not totally remember until I remembered. But that's yeah, so, what's the line So the point is when Piety's in talking to her husband the chancellor in when he's in the bed he says that you're wondering if jonah is mine meaning it would have to be sophie and jonah are both the kids of piety and writer writer yeah but he he is acknowledging the possibility because of the way longer man was after her but he doesn't know that sophie is piety and longer man's daughter right but i'm saying at you know, the same time like jonah like i didn't even think twice that jonah would come in and be like am i your son i just thought that was a given that jonah was the son and he was just pissed that sophie existed yeah it was going to be all about sophie's yeah. parentage so what's but- the deal like oh dad you, mom cheated on you you're not going to tell me anything. i have a sister you're not going to tell me or do you not know like that's kind of where i was but he goes oh i'm your, i'm not even your son i share your last name but i'm not dude i watched he's wrong twice. And that didn't click in my yeah, head. Right? Yeah. I was just like, yo, yeah, she's a hoe. <laughs> you think it's all about Sophie's parentage, yeah. but then Jonas gets thrown in there. And it also makes sense that he could totally be who's older, the product of writer and Pity. I have no idea. Who's older? So we don't really, st- first, but we asked, I mean, episode like three or something. I asked, are they the same age? Remember? And you guys were like, I don't know. They're twins. actually, Because they're like- both talking about school and, and that kind of stuff. They're Cersei I'm and Jamie. Gonna say that I don't think that there's a chance that Jonah is not like Jonah is Absalom's son. The the reason he questioned it was because of the relationship that Longerbane and Piety had in the past. But yeah, but that, yeah, but that the, relationship led to Sophie being born. But Jonah is his. Yeah, but that's the thing. When he says in his own, in these words, saying the elephant in the room to Piety, he's he's trying to convince her that Jonah's his because of the prophecy. Don't kill my other son. Jonah's my son. That's what he's trying to convince her, right? It yeah. feels like it's possible. So, it's on the table. He is her son. He is, oh, I'm sorry, he is Absalom's son because she married Absalom for the reason to have Jonah. Jonah is the creation of the two of them, which in yeah, her mind is the prophecy. At the same time, how do you know that? Like, that's the point. You're that's right. that's what they're arguing. Like, now I'm starting to think Kyle could be right and that the timing of, that would yeah. make Sophie by default, like older. she has to be the older sibling. Yeah, this yes. happened pre-Absalom. Yeah. Then... The, the, the doubt is the doubt is there as a part of Jonah's character, but it's not the truth. He's worrying about it, but it's not the truth That's is what so I'm trying to say. Interesting, because my brain never questioned why Jonah was questioning it. I was just going along with it. And then I was like, ah, shit, Jonah's not really his son and Philo is. So he's the prophecy. What the fuck? OK, is so that, any right. This is not, it's not even where I wanted to get with this. Like the, the thing that I was trying to say is the point. What does this do for the show? Because everything in the whole entire show that has to do, unless something changes later, that has to do with Jonah, Sophie, Piety, all, everything. There's nothing that matters that they're brother and sister. 
You know, Sophie's plan that she writes the letter and we'll get into that and gets all the craziness going because she writes the letter as Ashling. That's about Philo. Her wanting to be two families that are the powerful families could be the same thing as if you just get married, like she was saying in the first place. Why do we have to have this reveal that she's their brother and sister? Like, what does that do for the show? Scandalous. I just think it's cliche that I just think it's a cliche, like, blah. There's the reveal for no reason. Is that because I guessed it? Is I that think it's, why I, I mean, it's it? a shitty theory. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with you that it doesn't do anything for the show. But it's I think that theory that turns into shitty writing because it happened. Because, I mean, it's just like one of those things where, dude, you're my sister. You're weird. And then she's like, OK, well, you want to you want to be powerful or what? And he's like, all right, fine. She's like, have you ever watched Game of Thrones? They always fuck each other in that. The siblings always fuck each other in Game of Thrones. I have two thoughts on this. One is it could matter in the future somehow. Future seasons. I'm not sure how, obviously. But two, this is seems to be a common tactic to to villainize characters. Yeah. I know it mattered way more in Game of Thrones when it was Jamie and Cersei, but at the end of episode one, you already hate them because that's just a quick way for the writers to say these guys are gonna be the enemies. I'm just pulling at straws here, but that could be part of it. Because yeah. I fucking love Sophie and Jonah. Yeah, I mean, they I, might as well be the protagonists, I but mean, obviously I like, they're evil. I like the tag team a lot. I just don't, yeah, I just don't see why it matters that they're half sibling. I mean, and the fact that she knows nothing about that I knowledge mean, changes anything. She, The knowledge that she has about Ashling and Philo would have made the same exact entire situation happen. I just think it, it builds the scandal and that, and it gives piety purpose. Literally, it gives piety some purpose. In yeah, but it. piety's purpose is I'm I'm the mom of Jonah and Sophie. It doesn't have to be that they're fucking. I guess it it, it it does give a little bit of yeah. reasoning behind why Sophie had like the childhood that she had, which led to her being the person that she is because she is the child of piety, and no one's allowed to know that. I guess. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, that, even saying, that but... that doesn't a hundred percent mean that they need to be you know half brother and sister, but it does yeah. contribute. to I was that. just saying that piety's purpose just seemed fine. Being okay, I'm Jonah's mom, and I want Philo out of here. Yeah, but... you're right. It doesn't add much, and whatever, I... bro. If Jonah and Sophie are going to get together because this is joining two great houses, mm-hmm. then why not throw a wrench in the fucking story by making them siblings? But sometimes that's all it is. Sometimes it's just scandal. It's secrets. That's people write in weird twists that don't necessarily have gigantic plot points to the end yeah. game. Yeah. All right. they are it also could end up being it could end up being their downfall at the end. So we move on from the revelation that Sophie and Jonah are half siblings to the Harrispec shop. So we see the Harrispecs doing her uh, her usual thing. She's checking out some entrails. She's trying to read what the fuck's going on. And we notice that there's something familiar about this scene. We get a guy in the background yelling at a barking dog. We've heard that before. She also begins to notice this and quickly whips up a brew and just slugs a shot of it real quick right before she confronts the dark asher. A little bit of purple drink. She's I knew quick. I was like, this is going to make her do something later. Like this yeah. is going to give her an ability to do something. After I really goes. like to think that because she still had all that remnants of Philo's cum, that she used part of that in the potion. So when he specifically walked in there, the essence woke <laughs> her up from the gloom. I love that idea. That's, that's, that's I'm in. Canon. so stupid. Because she does say when they come back, I've been waiting for you. She smells but it in him. On a real note, I thought this was a really cool first look at the, the monster's face. We finally yeah. got to see the squid. 
tentacles. Tentacles, yeah. like yeah. all that. It looked good. I thought the, the CGI for that looked terrifying. Yeah, it looked good. I like the final product of the of the Dark Asher. Mm-hmm. So the next scene is we're going to go to Baby Girl Tourmaline for a little mm-hmm. bit. She's yeah. in the Tetterby Hotel collecting all the money from all the workers there because they look after their own. They're just trying to raise bail, 50 guilders, bail money for vignette. And as this is going on, Philo shows up. And this is right after he got released from Absalom with the knowledge that Vignette's going to be released. And this is what he tells her, that you don't have to worry about this anymore. And I think that's a very quick scene. And we move right to Absalom signing the document that's going to release Vignette. And I knew right away I, when they showed the it was Quill. Uh, turned away, yeah, that yeah. it was Quill. And I was like, or, or just a bad Pike. I mean, Quill. Pike. I mean, Pike. <laughs> Pike. We also do the 100, guys. Pike. Uh, I was like, Mm, he's dead. The puck has his back to Absalom as he's writing out this contract. And you know, as Kathleen said, some shit's about to happen. All and right, let me pause on you here. Did you, Kathleen, did you know when he killed the puck in the first part of the episode that it was, that was the reason like to get into the, like, were you thinking anything about that? Like, I just took it as like, we're killing pucks that are like trying to be, you know, assimilate with humans. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, what? what did puck? you know what the quill was trying to do when he killed the, puck with the uniform in the beginning first opening scene no so you didn't take it like he was trying to disguise himself back into the absolutely not you know every time that those people are on screen my brain turns off so yeah i I honestly i just took it like exactly what luke said religious stuff just makes me want to (laughs) yak so speaking of the religious stuff uh, after quill puts some holes in absalom he runs into the hallways and is screaming death to the tyrant the hidden one is revealed the hidden one seems to be something that we'll get a lot of in season two. Absalom took a lot of hits, man. That was a lot of stabs, and he was a little bit later in bed just chilling. Yeah. Quill fucked him up, and also Absalom caused this whole thing by unnecessarily firing Quill when Jonah gets abducted by Piety. So Piety caused this whole yeah. entire thing to happen, indirectly, of course. But Fuck Quill. Fuck that guy. So next we get Jonah. Jonah arrives at the Longerbane Manor, I guess you could say, to confront Sophie about their situation. Immediately she can tell by his reaction and demeanor that he knows <laughs> that they're half-brother and sister. And it's just so funny that she's just so chill with it. And he he is even he's freaked out that she's so chill and that she yep. knew about it. It's such a great reveal that she already knew. It is such a great it's, reveal. There's something to be said with one half of it being like, okay, she's just a badass. She gets how the game is played. She's willing to like look past it. And two, she grew up in isolation. And and she even says it. She's like, I grew up. I didn't have anything. So why would I throw away this love or whatever they feel or this connection? And he's like, because we're siblings, bitch. Man, <laughs> like, I don't care what you say to me. I could be in love with somebody. And then you could be like, yeah, I don't, I don't care what time... This is supposed to be taking place. I'm pretty sure no one's going to be okay if with that shit comes out. Yeah. She feels exactly like Marjorie did when she got introduced so late in the game for Game of Thrones. Comes in, this really attractive person. Kathleen, as you said, she knows exactly how the game's played. Yeah. She's very smart, and she's always going to be one of the smartest people in the room. I just, it's an awkward time to say this because this is sort of an incest reveal scene, but she is just so goddamn hot and powerful. <laughs> I just love everything about Sophie. She is the fucking best. Yeah, she's Sophie great. Is really, really good. She's one of the best. I would say probably the best thing that came out of this season. Yeah. If she's not the best, she's, I yeah. mean, she's probably two if she's not one. She says, you really think this is the first time this has happened in our family tree? This is how power is born. I'm like, Damn. Yeah. yeah. And then Damn. right before that, she's like, what's like, why do, does it matter? And he's like, this 
this world has boundaries. And she goes, we don't belong to the world. It belongs to us. It's like, let's go. I I don't really like you. I'm not behind you, but I get hype when you start following your power like that. Yeah. There's a part two of this conversation that happens later that we're going to deep dive into, but it ends on her giving him a note with an offer, she says, but he doesn't look at it right there. Yeah. Yeah. He pockets it because her puck came in the room and interrupted them and calls him back to bail store. What's it called again? Bail fire. Bail fire. Bail fire to deal with the repercussions of his father getting stabbed. Not an easy thing to walk into. Uh, Heidi Jonah, says, don't upset him. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, and he proceeds to do exactly that. Uh, he just he rolls, like a ball of fire. <laughs> yeah, man. he rolls right into that place like a tornado and basically just accuses him of hiding secrets from him. He's, yeah. you know, basically saying that you always had the question of whether I was your son or not. And uh, Breakspur even admits it. He reveals that early on, yeah, I had questions, but like, you're my son. You have my name. And he says, I don't give a fuck about your name. Yeah. He leaves him with, the last thing he ever says to him is, goodbye, Chancellor. <laughs> I yeah. love that. <laughs> now, let me let me cut you off for a second because you were just saying, and I, wanna, I don't know why I want to talk about this so bad, but you were saying that you're like 100% convinced that he knows Jonas's son. But I took that scene like, yeah, I was not sure, but you're my son. Like the typical, like, uh, raised you. You're my son. I took it as like a figure of speech. I really took it as he's not his son. Yeah, me too. Yeah, okay. But I wasn't (laughs) questioning why. Like, truly wasn't questioning why. I forgot. I was like so into like everyone's fucking everyone that I just forgot why that this matters. I was just like, oh, yeah, he's not. That sucks. He's not his son. The whole prophecy part. I'm like, it's Philo. Philo is the prophecy. I like it better with the idea. I know they're not going to have the balls to do this, but I like the idea that Jonah could still potentially just how Harry Potter Neville Jonah could still be the prophecy. So I want that truth to be that Jonah is Absalom's son. So that's still on the table, but they're never going to have the guts to do that. I don't think we ever went back and rechecked the scene. I thought that the, the line was your son, meaning only Absalom's son, not our son or not my son for piety. So that's why it has to be that Phyla or Jonah has to be like Absalom's son to be part of the prophecy. Exactly. That's yeah. why I want that to be on the table. Still. Yeah. It, it is just his son because that's the only reason why she married him. I like, you know, it has nothing beat. to do with her. Yeah. I like the beat of Jonah. He says, I had no ambitions. I had no plans. It's as if you never saw me as a successor, as a successor in the first place, which damn, he's literally using his own laziness against his dad. He's yeah, like, right? I was a piece of shit. You didn't even care. And he's like, <laughs> I just loved you, man. You're my son. <laughs> so exactly. much reflection by Jonah, so much character development forced onto him by both Piety and Sophie and mm-hmm. Absalom. I just like that he grows here. He starts not being. I said it in the last podcast episode. He just feels like he is a beta to anyone he's in a scene with. And this is where he's finally starting to get his legs. Yep. Goddamn legger. And I also like, we didn't get to talk about it much, but that piety Jonah interaction before he walks into the room. I appreciated that dialogue that was written because it was the first and maybe only example of any sort of weakness in piety, the character. This was the only thing that really besides her death, not part of her plan. So that was cool to see that this was unexpected. You mean Jonah knowing a piece of information and her being like, don't say anything. And don't, don't upset yeah. him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That okay. line right there was the first sign of weakness from Piety, mm-hmm. which was cool. And also the the earlier scene with him in Piety about Sophie, she kind of lost control a little bit when she smacks him. Yeah. Oh, she was True. she was like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Right yeah, now. yeah. She yeah. freaked out. Well, he kind of grew some balls there and was well, like, never, you, you think I'm yeah. a fucking fool? Yeah, because yeah, we never actually dove into the fact that now 
Piety knew that Jonah knew that she's the one who captured him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like we that was like they didn't even talk about it. Like they were. He was too busy saying, "Damn, I just bull. banged my freaking sister." Yeah, yeah, he forgot about that pretty quickly. Yeah. I mean, if if it came down to it, like my mom kidnapped me, I'm having sex with my sister. I think the the sister bar would probably take precedence. Yeah, Which is fucked up. <laughs> I say cliche. I just feel I think it's Sons of Anarchy with. His sister in Ireland, I think of Game of Thrones. I just uh, been yeah. done before. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, so Everything's been done before, James. Not everything. That's true. Now we have Philo and T kind of having this tea tourmaline, <laughs> having this sweet moment. I I like any scene with tourmaline. My eyes perk up. I'm like, mm-hmm. yes, she's so underutilized in the series. I think. I think she's totally a side character. I don't think she has much to the plot at all. Mm-hmm. Right. But I think she's very captivating. Besides the fact that she kind of talked Philo into the the whole thing. Yeah. I hope she has a bigger role next season that will make me like the show more if she does. And you guys said it yourselves in in the group text that you think Vignette was underutilized this season as well. Mm -hmm. This show is all about the boys. It really is. Yeah, because this this season's overarching theme was Philo's parentage and... What are, you, what are you looking at, Kyle? Well, I was saying, we're talking about giving Sophie so much love, how she's yeah, awesome in the show, true. but then she it's all about the boys. I know, but the show's about Vignette. Like, it should be about Vignette. Yeah, no. She, she's, the main char- she's the main character other than Orlando Bloom, and so we are giving Sophie more props because Vignette didn't get the story. Yeah, no, I know what you're saying. Oh, okay. I, I think that Philo got really highlighted because the theme of the whole show, first season, was his parentage shoot what's the dark asher trying to do and really the dark asher had nothing to do with vignette mm-hmm. you know um i do think that she'll have a way bigger deal later <laughs> definitely it sucks will. because vignette's whole storyline felt like it was just in relation to philo how she how was she feeling about philo or what's she gonna do now that's was why it, i almost sucks i almost wish that they didn't get back together yet and that wait till later and let her do the Black Raven thing and get her own footing and be a badass. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Philo coming back and joining at the end is because of her. And But I still think that a lot of this could have been done. Keep them separate for now. Let her get her own footing and be a main character. Yeah. Let me take back my all about the boys. because I do take that back because... I think Imogen had a good storyline, although it seems very different than our main storyline. I thought Imogen was great. Sophie had a great storyline. But it's like these people are going through character development and growth through the season. They have a a storyline that they're working through. What the fuck was Vignette's storyline? Truly. Whenever I rehash the show in my head, it's never about vignette at never. all. You're mm. so. Re- I didn't even think about that until you said she was underutilized yes. in the text, and I was thinking about it. I was like, "You're so right." And you know what? This is talking meta outside the show and stuff. But an actor of her esteem, she's mm. she's A B list, you know, yeah. up there. Would never sign on for a show if they didn't have a legit plan for yeah, the they character. Had to pitch something. There's like... no way that the the showwriters got in a room with. Amazon and only pitched him the idea of season one because it would never have gotten greenlit. Yeah, they were planting so many seeds this season, and I think they did a great job of the world building. Hmm. They did a good job of the world building. I think the overall first season was a great job world building. I think the first couple episodes were not good. That's Just, a better way to put yeah, it. Don't, exactly. don't introduce. They didn't introduce us well, but overall, by mm-hmm. the end of it, it's the, like we said, it's a prequel season. Yeah, really. I would not be surprised if Vignette 
is more of a main character than Philo in season two because this was all about Philo. And if they follow that up with making season two all about Vignette and Philo is the complimentary role, Mm -hmm. I think that'll just make this make us as viewers care about the show so much more. And then it'll bring in Tourmaline, who we're going to love. It's going to bring in the Black Raven, which we're going to love. It's going to bring in the Pact. And all of that is exactly my wish list for season two. And I I hope that's where we're going. It is a story, but I mean, Philo is now that we know is a child of prophecy. So mm, we'll see yeah. how that goes. It does seem to be that it's going to be his story. Would but be anyway, my guess, but... sorry, I really derailed that. But it's all right. Um, no, you're good. It was a good Philo talk. And, yeah, but Philo yeah. and Tourmaline are having a sweet moment talking about V. I don't think this is the scene where they're getting worried about her yet. This is the scene where Tourmaline tells him to look in the drawer. He's kind of saying, "I should have never." What does he say? "I should have never." Yeah, she's like, you're a dumbass. She loves you. Yeah, like, that's she pretty always much. has. She, she, never she held on to yeah. the book, the yeah, book he should, that she, Philo gave she, her. She says, open the drawer, there's the book. Yeah, she's just convincing him that she always, V always loved him. And we just went on our tangent of just analyzing their whole relationship right there. Yeah. So we're going to yeah. step away from that for a second. And Imogen and Mr. Greer scene. So Imogen, yeah, this scene, this scene is awesome. Imogen is, it's a rainy night. She's hoeing around. It's always a rainy night. It's always a carnival row. She is at the back door of Mr. Greer's house. And she's knocking on the, we find out that this is the servant's entrance and it's very ironic because of the earlier scene with Mr. Grius and, and the Spurn Roses. Yep. But Imogen goes to tell him that Ezra is gone and she is she looking to get to laid. Get little, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. How, how could she not guess that he was going to be like, are you kidding me coming in the servant's entrance, bitch? That's true, but I don't think, he never had that conversation with Fergus. Phineas. <laughs> Phineas. With Phineas or Ferb. Um, <laughs> he wouldn't have reacted the way he did. If she was like hoeing around coming in that door, he'd be like, let's go. I think he still would have made a comment because knowing sure. our boy agrees, he'd but be like, are you kidding me, it girl? It was painful to watch. But yeah. Her hair is like, you know, don't, don't you think we have like stuff to like? And he's yeah. like, you came in here, you tell me what you want. Yeah. And this was an intense scene. Like a really intense scene. He calls her a callow and graceless lover because he is now looking out for her. He'd rather stop it before it starts getting really bad for her. So he's just insulting her and it's intense. And she's standing her ground. She's like, there are things a man can't fake. (laughs) And then he shoves her up against the wall and they start hooking up. And then stupid ass Ezra comes and tries to peek because he's a fucking creepy creepster. Agrius has a lot of good dialogue here. Just all the passion love that he has for Imogen just off of their couple of weeks. I don't even know how long it's been since they've known each other. And yeah, so they're hooking up on the wall and you see Ezra just being a creep, sitting outside that window, just getting more and more pissed. This goes right into him running back into the Spurner's house, grabbing a gun, and then just breaking into Mr. Agrius's Following the trail of clothes up the stairs. Yeah, seriously. He just walks right into the bedroom. You see all, as we've talked about, hundreds of layers littered throughout the house. They were done already? Yeah, Yeah, I mean, we we get a post-coital shot of Ezra being a little bitch. (laughs) I honestly thought here that Imogen was going to take a bullet for Agrius. Yo! Wow. Wow. Yeah. I thought he was going to go. Sh- I thought he was going to try to shoot Agrius and she was going to jump in the way, to be honest. That would have been intense. Yeah. He's such a coward. Turn and face the wall. Coward. Absolute coward. Talk about cowards, Kathleen. This is a ridiculous, another ridiculous no schlong shot. It is. It, it really is. Like, really? Like, he's he's in a, such a position that 
It should be hanging as low as it wants to hang because we know Grease like, is hanging. Special sign. It definitely would want to hang low too. Do you think you need special sign off from uh, what is it, the FCC? FCC? I don't know. Like, I to mean, at least dick. put a shadow. <laughs> like, I mean, I don't know. Is that wrong? <laughs> no, I think that's right. Yeah, FCC censor right. federal censor. Oh, cocksuckers! I don't know. <laughs> that's like Family Guy when they do the FCC that's song. Exactly yeah. what I thought. <laughs> okay. We're dealing with the FCC. <laughs> there's, there's actually a scene with it. Might be this scene where Agrius is turned around and his legs are. Like, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, his legs are. Uh, I was gonna say Tommy Pickles, but Tommy Pickles is in. Yeah. They're in second position, meaning they're facing outwards. Yeah, he's got a spread leg, and he he's has nothing hanging. He's in a plie, and there is nothing. I was like, no balls. No. I mean, all you gotta no do balls. is put a little shadow. Like you don't have to do like full on, give us a I full shot, but just give us a shadow of something. Yeah, it's I mean, crazy. we're talking about Amazon Prime where they're showing everything with the females. I mean, I don't want to jump to the magicians, but I just saw a huge centaur schlong on the magicians, and that's a sci-fi show. Sure did. And you're they telling talk me- about, They call it out, too. Come yeah. the magicians. We're going to cover the magicians. We are going to cover the magicians, and we can't wait. Yeah. Anyway, he has Powers. him at gunpoint. Imogen whops Ezra down before he could shoot, and then... We because, get a wicked headbutt. Yeah, yeah. Because, because he stands up, grips her up. He Ezra absolutely grips Imogen up and is like, tension. No, I'm just kidding. That <laughs> <laughs> looks deeply into out. her eyes. And all of a no. sudden, it's a three-way and so <laughs> Think about awkward. A headache, a headache, a headbutt with fucking horns. Oh, my Think God, dude. You be... In our world, goats who have those yeah, things, that's, that's exactly what, they what they're for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so. and he's like, look at what you did, Pike, Puck. <laughs> look at what you did, Critch. <laughs> you stupid idiot. They'll come after you. And then as Imogen's like, we got to get the fuck out. I, I didn't see their storyline going with them disappearing yeah. like that. I don't really know where that's heading. I have no idea. But as they're leaving, Ezra vows to find both of them. And it's going to be so wrapped up where... I don't know how Ezra chasing them is going to lead to Philo. Yeah. I it's really, gotta. It has to. I really have no idea how that's going to tie in with the real story. Yeah. We want them to come together. So the story is that they're going to go far, far out at sea and chase each other. So find the little dudes. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. They'll probably it's the find kobolds. the little dudes. You, you, fucking asshole <laughs> you know what they're called i i genuinely have no guesses because you guys know what we know now and it's yeah. just how is that going to connect we Maybe, are now vets uh, i just can't even imagine yeah especially because we don't have a destination we have no idea where they're going yeah she they surprise just said surprise us yeah let's yeah. get into this big huge reveal because this is a really great scene we've got two scenes going back and forth at the same time the first part is the whole tetter bees in an uproar over the murder of the harris Becks. Yeah. Everyone's freaking out. She's dead. She's dead. So Philo and Tourmaline just, he's in his inspector hat again, ready to go to work. Just, Mm. they walk right into the house. And this is the scene we mentioned a little bit earlier, the resolution of the Harrisbeck scene where the glowing liquid she drank Mm -hmm. was for this exact moment. When Philo walked in, she is just in this blue light essence of what she drank and she she explains that she's in what's called the gloaming it's in between life and death it's the name of the episode it she she has clairvoyance at this point yeah and she's understanding she's seeing all the pieces connect at what all these all this corruption with piety and all this that's reveal is happening at the same time that piety herself is now interrogating absalom on his deathbed and she's getting more and more aggressive 
and escalating the conversation as we're getting reveal drops that Piety is probably involved with the Dark Asher. Yeah. And she was, she always wife. studied the Harrisbex her whole life. And the Harrisbex is doubting herself for not having seen it earlier. Yeah. And this, this is, we mentioned it earlier, Jimmy could explain the reason of who created this Dark yeah, Asher I mean, was she had Piety herself. One. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she was, the Harrisbeck says that Piety was always a little too curious mm-hmm. about everything. And we, okay, one, I think they spoon-fed it to us with this whole Harrisbeck thing, and I don't really love that. But I like the idea that Jimmy, with this amazing theory that ended up being true, we were kind of being like, yeah, but like Piety loves the Harrisbeck. Why would you yeah. do that? And it is like she was purposely loving the Harrisbeck because it was for her own greater good of herself and yeah. herself. Yeah. Now, pause. Do we know why she kills the Harrisbex just because the Harrisbex is going to know too much? I mean, she goes, that was like one of the big things for my theory that was making me like question it. However many days, weeks, whatever it is before. Oh, we have to protect you. The Harrisbex is going to kill you. But oh, wait, I'm the one doing it. She knows she's the one doing it. So then is it an act at this time? She doesn't think the Harrisbex needs to die. And later she does. We don't really get into a reveal for that. Philo speculating and he I think just says you know she knew too much or something like that yeah I yeah, mean because I'm, she doesn't even they they specify that they didn't even take the Harrisbeck's liver meaning there it right. wasn't knowledge that they were after and I think it it, it boils down to simply that that she knew yeah. too much she was going to be an obstacle in the way of killing Philo yeah that makes sense that's fine listen I don't know because she wouldn't have had to kill the Harrisbeck's if the Harrisbeck's didn't have the vision to tell Piety. It's all like a big circle. It's like you didn't need to kill the Harrisbecks if you weren't going to kill the Harrisbecks in the first place to give her the vision that Ooh, you were watch dark. Yeah, that's Sorry. crazy. <laughs> we're going to cover dark as well. everybody. <laughs> and then the, the reveal from the parallel scene being Piety talking to Absalom is she, she kills him because he won't reveal any information that she's looking for. Pretty so, much. She says, I'm going to get it one way or the other. Exactly. Dumbass. She, she I takes mean, that. She really doesn't whack ass think- claw tool and just yeah. rips open his organs and That's pulls the liver big out. Big liver, man. Yeah, how is it? There's no liver in me. <laughs> <laughs> so, as Piety is kind of deconstructing Breakspear, the Harrisbeck is learning these things as we as she goes and is spitting them out to Philo. So she's saying, I can sense her darkness even now. They're like bruises on whatever. And then she says, oh, she knows about the girl. Like she's yeah. like, she's like oh, exactly. Because that's what she gets the from picks, the liver the is the name. Yeah. Vignette Stone Moss. Well, no, she she's like, she knows about the Pix girl. And then she goes into Breakspear's pocket and pulls out the fucking paper. That's like Vignette Stone. That's the one he was hiding under his covers. It's honestly so stupid. To me, this scene was so like, here, we don't know how to completely wrap this up, so we're going to plant all this evidence on them and make them come across it. Who would ever think they're going to come across a name in someone's pocket? Well, no, I think that was the point. She pretty much sees them hiding under the covers, I thought, right? I thought it was... Oh, I didn't see I thought she could have seen that in the liver... That he wrote this thing out. You know what I'm saying? I think that they wrote the liver in at the last second because they're like, well, how's anyone going to know anything in this town? The whole show is based on the livers. Yeah, I mean. It's all about the livers. But yeah, it's a great back and forth scene. I think there's a lot of stuff that's spoon fed to us, which I wish they could have came up with a more clever way of of letting the, because we all know. We know all these things. We're watching it. But But do you not agree, though, that what she saw in the liver was that the note was in his pocket about it? Like, how would she not have? Sorcerer's Stone? Yeah. Basically. Yeah. (laughs) 
I mean, anything related to Philo, the son, would have been what she's looking for in the liver, and that would have been one of the first things that I guess she read. I, mean, I don't know how I, liver I might, eating works. Fuck. I might be <laughs> such an unfair power. Yeah, I might be remembering this wrong, but I thought that as she was walking in the room, he stuffed it into the covers. So maybe I just thought I she just noticed that. that he was maybe hiding something. Too. I don't know. So these are two good scenes with a lot of information. So then everyone like takes piety's going one place and now Philo's trying to find her, whatever it is, and or vignette. And now we've got Jonah going in knowing that he's dead. And, and the yeah. helpers are around being like, Piety's the last one, but it wasn't Piety. He's like, find her now. And they're yeah. like, okay, Chancellor. And he's like, shit, I'm and the that's, Chancellor now. And that exact moment, I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then also, as this moment's happening, we see the jail cell that Vignette's being held in, and Dombey is coming in to release her. And he drops a line saying, you must have friends in high places or something like that, because there's a carriage here for you. Obviously, this is all set up by Piety. Can I just say that Dombey's inevitable death at some point is going to be so sweet? Oh, yeah. I was died. just going to say that. Wow. Wow. I really yeah. I, I see him being as a huge ally for Philo in the endgame. Get the <laughs> fuck out of here. Yeah, right. So Philo, Philo, while this is all happening, Philo's part of this is that um he heads into the sewers after consulting with the Harris Pecks and getting all that info. And I just think it's so, I mean, it comes back around later, but the moment between him and Tourmaline, like they're parting before he goes on this mission to save like their shared love. He just like gives her his hat. Wow. <laughs> I just thought it was so funny. No idea what the symbolism behind that is. But... Take this hat. I don't want it to get dirty yeah i mean he didn't need it i guess it would have gotten in the way but it's just really the funny because the reason they did that thing. was so that vignette could put it on his head later in the train scene oh yeah that was the yeah. only reason just made me laugh it was stupid all right so our players are finally moving for the final act of this season piety has now captured vignette she's tied her up and she's beginning to interrogate her while at this same time philo has entered the sewers like we just said he runs into the dark asher yeah. It's kind of standing on this ledge. And now we see that he has a little hatchet. I don't know where he got this hatchet, but he has a little hatchet. Yeah. So what is, what is Tor- that thing on him? Yeah, he has it on his on his belt. But I, Tormelin says something like, how are you going to find or how are you going to get to them? And he said the same way he got to me or something like the dark asher. Remember, like he said, there's a line pretty much saying I'm going to go through the sewer to get to him. I was I thought it was pretty funny. Like the thing is just sitting there. Is It's just dormant, I guess, until she turns it on. It reminded me of like a player that has hasn't been chosen yet that it just didn't yeah i personally really liked it i thought it was very good tense scene because what is the dark asher going to be doing if piety's not controlling it like you think it's gonna i, don't know. I mean the, the like little mole the little mole fish thing was squiggling around at least you yeah. know right right yeah, this is next level though he's a, a whole I different mean, he, type of dark asher bro you'll know nothing about this type of dark asher he's dormant but he's also like philo hits something and alerts piety and yeah, so the, like dark asher it. actually like notices Heidi is on the verge of torturing Vignette and she's going to rip her liver out. She doesn't tell him. Yeah. Tell her everything that he knows about Philo. At this point, Piety still doesn't even know Philo's name. Yeah. And that's Pied- what she's trying to get. Piety's interesting because she's bad and she will kill and take livers when she thinks she needs to. But like with with Vignette, she was like, listen, I'm not a bad person. I don't, I don't want to take your liver. Just tell me. And I feel like she was actually being serious. I mean, like, I don't if- think she would have killed Absalom if he told her what yeah. you wanted to know. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's just like, if you're at this point where you're the point of no return, I would take V, put her on the chair and take her liver in two seconds and just get the True. answers. 
But this also gets supported by the fact that the Dark Asher didn't kill Philo the first time they met. So he's not just Pyro's right. not just killing that's, everything. That's why I think she's interesting because it's calculated. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. She but says she's very like, soon, you know, she makes a comment like the the things mothers do for their sons or the, for their kids or something like that. Right. It's like one of those things where she's doing all this because it has to do with the prophecy to save Jonah or keep Jonah, whatever. But any like she doesn't want any quote unquote meaningless killings. Okay. In general, I think this the stakes are not high enough for piety. I wish it was what you just said to save Jonah. I wish that that was what it was. It's mm-hmm. not. It's for what riches money for Jonah. He, she wants Jonah to be a powerful person. Well, you're going to regret that because the prophecy is about the person that's going to become. They don't say the word king, king but at the end of the series, when Philo becomes the prophet, whatever it is, and is this amazing leader of the world that co- that connected all these races that's what piety was going for for Jonah. So Yeah, but okay, what you just said, I'd vote for you, Luke. That sounds <laughs> fucking amazing and I believe that Philo <laughs> would do that. Would be the one. I, but I'm thinking as uh, Jonah with Sophia, like what are, I, I don't know I, what they want. I think that Piety doesn't Piety doesn't care though. She doesn't care what Jonah does. Okay, she just wants him to be is. the great exactly, man. Exactly, right. Then yeah. That's what it is. No, I'm like, I, for me that's not enough to justify any of the series. I the I mean I'm series. I took it like she wants her son and that's it so i agree with what you're saying like i agree that i don't know about what you're saying like just find the whole series but to the point of what you're saying with that's what she wants yeah i agree there's no like she doesn't want you know her son to be a good man and do a good things for the world she just wants my son to be the most powerful man in the world can i side and not another son you know that's the whole point of the show what was Cersei's prophecy again? That was that. There's a lot of parts. Three of it. kids. They all they are going to die. die. They all have golden okay, shrouds. That just raises the stakes so much now because when you're like thing you love the most is going to die, I'm fucking in, baby. I am so in. If this is going to save someone from dying, murder everybody you've ever met. Fuck I everyone. Mean, For if, money? Fuck you, dude. You if pussy. you're comparing Piety's motivation for doing what she does to Cersei's, you're right. Cersei's is legit. Cersei's is part of one of the best stories ever told. Yeah. Piety's seems a little selfish and she seems a little sh- not short-sighted because she she does have the goal of making her child, who she thinks is going to be her child, to be the ultimate end game of the world. I don't know how to even phrase that. Do we know what the prophecy is again? What, what it actually said? His your son, son will, will do be great an even things. greater man. Yeah. Like literally it said that your son will uh, do great things. So. That doesn't boy, seem good at all. You're right. You're born right. on July 31st. Yeah. <laughs> That's not what it says, Kathleen. I don't know. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate. I think I think you're right. It, I th- it doesn't feel real enough, and that's why she was a one-season, one-and-done villain. And I also think, though, that the fact that it doesn't seem like enough makes her kind of a better villain in the way where it's like you're unlikable. It might be the wrong True. kind of a unlikable. villain. Yeah, it might be the wrong kind of unlikable where you're like, I just don't like like the writing or something. That's where you're going. No, for. she was the most interesting for me, and then it, I think that it was interesting with who's left. Mm-hmm. I think that I would like I would have liked Breakspeare to stick around after that performance, but I'm glad Piety's dead at the end of the performance. Yeah, if that means anything. Cersei, she's a villain, obviously, but Cersei's thing where you're saying like I'm protecting my children, this and that, that gives her other shades where you can be like, oh, I see where she's coming from, or this or that. Yeah, maybe they don't want that for Piety because they just want her to be straight bad. That's true. Just a villain orchestrating things in the dark, yeah. in the corners, in the shadow. What I will say is I think <laughs> Sophie's going to take up the mantle of the main villain, and she is going to have the internal motivation of becoming the great. And I, yeah. I think it's going to be in the best way possible because we're it's going to be believable. We already have a little bit of a backstory for her. 
She was born of it, like corruption yeah. and all this. I just think it's going to be setting up feeling, for Sophie to be the big bad. That's not the pact. I have a feeling Jonah is going to be a redeemable character. Sure. I think he's going to be the one that. Sure. Well, fuck. Let's keep getting there. Where am I staying? Yeah. As we were saying, Piety is torturing Vignette. And as this is going on, Philo is walking under the dark asher, very quiet, making sure not to make a noise. As this happens, Philo hits his elbow yeah. or some shit on a classic on a Piety's in the process of, of starting to dig into vignettes liver area <laughs> and when philo makes this noise and the dark asher hears it and indirectly piety does she has one of the coolest quick scenes of the yeah. entire show where her eyes just flash yeah. directly she to the dark asher that was fucking badass yeah and then she just sprints away off screen and then the next thing we see is Philo is running for his goddamn life through these sewers. Just he knows he woke the beast up by messing up. He's just sprinting, and it works out in the most perfect way. I don't know how you guys feel about it. Was it was it a coincidence? I don't like. How do you feel about the way he he initially trapped the dark? I was fine with it. It was okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. When he when he just locks the door as he slides through and then cuts his head off, which was badass. That was cool. I was fine with it. It was pretty wild watching the uh, the dark asher run on all fours. Yeah, I haven't seen it move like that. So it just like hoofing it through the sewers. A, you know, you think it probably would have caught him, but obviously that wasn't going to happen. But are we going to assume that obviously the head of the thing is a squid? It could be a mix of any amount of animals. So when Philo, after he thinks he kills the Dark Asher, which is dumb as shit because he knows yeah. that it's not dead. Yeah, that was one of the things that I guess the he, most. I guess he's just hoping like its head's gone. Yeah. She literally, the Harrisbex made sushi out of his Harrisbex and it was still squirming. It was still moving. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. So Philo is walking into the main dungeon area that this, this scene is going to, this storyline is going to end on. And you see all these dissected animals. Yeah. Uh, we do assume that the dark Asher is made yep. up of all these That's things. Like, took, is yeah. that is the four legs that you're talking about? It's sprinting on like centaur legs. Yeah. I, like I was going to say it looked like when it does the, the screech and the, the tentacles move up and you see its mouth, it looks like a horse's mouth. Yes. Oh. Yep. It does. I like to think of it as yes, exactly that. And also just like maybe failed attempts. Like there's just so many carcasses in the thing. Like she could have just been experimenting on whatever for like however long. Too. Yeah. I like I, it's attempts. like a mad scientist lair. I also like didn't know because you could see like some of the bodies hanging. I didn't know if she was pulling livers out of them too, or if she was using it for dark <laughs> asher. Yeah, it could have done both. Who knows? Practicing her liver reading. Yeah, right. Yeah. Hugh final villain speech. Final yeah. villain speech. Great reveal that Ashling, quote unquote, wrote the blackmail note. Because Philo's like, what? Like she's yeah. like, all from a note from your mother. Yeah. Like a, whatever she says. 8D chess, Kyle. Sophie's playing 8D chess. Yeah. Yes, she is. 8D. That's, I think you said 8D in the last episode. Skipped 4D. <laughs> yeah. So then Philo is about to, I don't know what Philo is about to do when he's about to cl- climb up that ladder. Like, he's like, it's over, bitch. You're, you're beat. <laughs> and then as soon as he puts his hand on that, the dark ash is like, nope. And just yeets him all the way across. Connects his head back and just throws the shit out of him. I just absolutely hate that now is the moment it puts its head back on. Yeah. Like that it wouldn't have been the first thing it did. You know, it like it walked there holding its own head and then like through Philo without its head. And then like once Philo turned around and looked at it, it was plop, put it right back on. I mean, like I whatever, it's like a, a cool little moment for it. I didn't want to off screen the head thing because they wanted to show it to us, but that's just funny to me. Yeah, and, and look, was it you that brought up the piety control in the dark asher? That was Kyle. No, that man. was me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it is really funny. Like, I guess at the time I wasn't letting it bother me, but now that I'm like thinking about it 
again. I guess cinematically they had to do it that way because what else would she be doing during it? But yeah, that's just so funny. Like she's just every time she controls the dark astro, she just goes into a little side room and just starts fucking flailing around. And yeah, like she that. just throws on the VR headset and starts killing people. Granted, you're right. We haven't seen her really be the dark asher, but just her up on the platform, like moving her arms around and doing the grabbing and stuff was I just mean, like she, jarring. She watch Game of Thrones. All we need is that she just sits down, lets the warg happen, and then just sits there on the side screen, and we just know she's warging. They like, would have been fine. Have yeah. She was in Game of Thrones. She should have known. Yeah, that's so what why didn't she pitch that idea? Seriously, like I don't need because again, like then you start getting confused. Like the thing I always wanted, and I hope one day, like it's Ready Player One. It's okay, so you're flailing the thing's arms, but what about when it was running? You're not running with it. You're not, you know, like, what are you using the the D pad for the running and the. <laughs> Yeah, it was just a weird thing that was very unnecessary. Do but, want to give a shout out to Philo because he held his own for yeah. what he could do. Just, you know, spinning around, slashing at the Dark Asher. Obviously, it was a losing fight. And as the Dark Asher is getting ready to kill him, Vignette shows up and stabs a goddamn knife right through the back of Piety's face. Yeah. Yep, that was good. Mm-hmm. I, okay, that that's definitely one of Vignette's highlights. Not that she did. I mean, it was set up to be like that, but it's cool that she was the one to save Philo versus Philo going there to save her, which I, I don't know. Yeah, I liked it. I don't think there. So earlier when I was saying that Vignette's whole storyline was based on Philo, I'm not like knocking. I just think I wish she had a storyline to like when they gave her the Black Raven. I thought that was yeah, going to be her storyline. Even they kind of let the pact just drift away mm-hmm. too. These like big bads and other things. They just they. When's the last time we saw the pact? The flashback episode. Yeah, I mean that's going to be the yeah that's going to be the, the theme ultimate for the, end yeah. game. The show needs to revolve around those two things i mean not not specifically the black raven but the pact needs to be like when the season when the show ends it's going to be because they killed the leader of the pact whoever that becomes yeah that's how i envision it because they're the ones who are threatening global you know extinction of anybody that's not human and they're just they're they're tyrants they're just taking they're imperialists they're taking over everything i think eventually they're going to make their way across the ocean whatever it is to the berg and that could eventually be the the, end, the, fight. the 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 fight in the end. Little dudes didn't save like we thought. I really yeah. was hoping for that. They like. Yeah. Can you imagine that would have been hilarious. <laughs> you just can't. It's you come running in. It's literally like I got. We always bring up Harry Potter, but I think of the scene at the end and then the movie when the when the house elves are running from the kitchens to hell, and they're just like they're just like jabbing at the ankles. So the, <laughs> the, the, the <laughs> it would have been good though. Yeah. All right, if we're we ready to, for the, um, the day after. Yep. Yeah, we get to see Jonah operating in his new official capacity as And Chancellor. he looks fresh. Like He looks good he in looks that good. outfit. Jonah yeah, he, owns uh, the day after the Dark Asher dies, yeah, in my opinion. Yeah. So he's in a meeting that he quickly uh, he adjourns the meeting right as Millworthy arrives. The two of them get to discussing Ashling, the whole kind of murder mystery. I guess the cause of the murder is they start talking about the blackmail note itself. Jonah hands it to him and basically says, you know, Ashling sent this to Piety, read it. And then he's starting to read it. He's like, read it out loud. Essentially, it's the letter was using Philo as a bargaining chip because it was about to be election season. And she was like, you know, I'm down on my luck. I need money. I'm sure Tabowitz would like to hear this. Jonah asks Millworthy, do you think this was her? And Millworthy outright rejects the premise. He says, you know, Ashling was a dear friend of mine. She would never do this. It was not her style. Like that part, honestly. Yeah, I didn't believe it when I read it either. I think I, I wasn't guessing that it was Sophie that wrote it, but I just, yeah. I just kind of, I honestly just kind of thought Piety 
Well, I guess she couldn't have because she would have. That meant she would have known Philo. So is is it actually written as Philo, or you have another son? Oh no, yeah, I was just I just yeah, said Philo, okay, so it's not Philo. Yeah, so I actually I took it the first time it was shown in that scene that it was just piety writing it to back her actions. That would have been interesting. I mean, I like where it went better, but that would have been. I definitely like where it went better. Yeah, I think this so, makes it's another important reason why Millworthy is still in the show because the little dudes didn't really pay off at all, even uh, though I hope they do someday. But yeah, he's there as as a credible source, and he actually. This is part of the reason I think Jonah does so well in this episode. Jonah is accepting this advice from Millworthy mm-hmm. as as just someone that's telling the truth, and you can just. Any any sort of leader or someone in a leader position that takes their advisor's words to heart is it's just a bonus. And I did not think Jonah had it in him because he goes on to say, uh, "Yeah, like I don't need a tutor anymore. I'm the chancellor." And then he says, "Your services won't be needed." And he's yeah. about to turn around. He says, "But I'm in need of an honest man on my advisory council." And I love that whole entire thing because that might even speak to what you were saying earlier, Jimmy, that he's going to be redeemable because Millworthy is obviously pure good. Yeah, yeah. So, Millworthy's the hand of the king, man. He's gonna. Take if he's care on of his it. side, then Millworthy's gonna lead him the right way. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I. It's gonna be interesting, Millworthy versus Sophie in later seasons, because you know that shit's gonna go down. True, that's a really good because point. He, he's gonna have two devils advocate. He's gonna have the angel and the devil on his shoulders. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Who would have thought that Millworthy would end up being the angel? Oh my god, I had no idea throughout this season. Like, what is Millworthy's point, dude? Besides that, he knew Ashling. They had you. His point. no cliches yeah, there. Exactly. Yeah. So after he gives uh, Millworthy the job to be on his to be his advisor, they start talking about um, the Puck cult that ki- that is mm-hmm. infesting the city, and that's what actually killed his father Absalom, and that's going to be the priority right now. And I think that's where the scene leaves off. And then we go over to, before we jump back to them for what, another scene or two, we go back to Vignette and Tourmaline. And Kathleen, I know you, this is the last time we see your girl. So if you want to, any yeah, final words? Yeah, so she's, T is kind of being a little cross with V and <laughs> V calls her out for being cross. And T's like, why would I be cross? I like T and V. It's for funny. Cross too. Talking a little Bly Manor Flora. Love that. Yeah. Quick little Sorry thing. We also cover Blind Manor. So I call Vignette V. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I call Vignette V. Someone has called her Vig. Someone has called her Vinny. There's so many nicknames. Nobody said V, but there's so many different In nicknames. In the show? Vig. What? I don't remember Vinny. Vinny, Vinny is multiple times. Is Vig it Tormelin is only call her Vinny? Mm-hmm. Uh. And Vig is only once, and it's one of the uh, another... In a noon? Or is it in Carnival Row? I honestly think it's in the... Um, Raven brothel. Uh, yeah, I can never remember that name. But then she snaps right out of it. I think Tourmaline realizes she's like, "Yeah, you're right. I gotta say goodbye." She's like, "Why would I be cross?" When she looks at Tourmaline and just is like, "I love you," and they hug. I'm like, "Yes," and I'm so glad they're back together again because I was sad that they were splitting up. I'm like, Kyle, great, one more thing I I love that's gonna be split up. Did the fact pop? Did the Amazon fact pop up at the scene? <laughs> they were godmates. I did not see it. No, this honestly felt it the most that there was just more than just friendship tension here that you could see that tourmaline truly was kind of into vignette this is the scene that i was talking about when i said it's going to be sad when she picks philo and tourmaline is crying yeah you know well she gives her the smile and then once vignette's back turns her smile drops and she turns sad yeah so and vignette vignette turns and gives philo his hat back the all-important hat so then they're going to to leave the row whether it's by boat or on a, a train or something. And 
they're stopped at a checkpoint. And basically they're told that due to the chancellor's death at the hands of the Puck cult, that all non-humans are now to be sequestered in the row. So they can't leave. And in the background, you see like them loading pucks into like a paddy wagon. We then turn to uh, Agrius and Imogen. They're on a ship. The ship's captain informs Agrius that they're being called back to shore, presumably because of this new order. And Agrius is like, fuck that, ignore it. Imogen, where we want to go. And she goes somewhere new, surprise us. And that's uh, the last we see of them. What are we not going to talk about his coat? Because his coat was the shit. He's got the furs. <laughs> he's looking as badass and rich as he's ever looked. Yeah, exactly. I, I was hell. wondering like what was going to happen when he's fleeing, but now nah, he's rich. He's doing his thing. He just gets a boat and rolls out. We already kind of beat this subject to death. I don't know. We have no idea where this is going, yeah. how it's going to connect in the future seasons. Because if... Philo and Vignette did get out of Carnival Row and left the city to go wherever they said they were going. I could have totally seen them meeting up in that way. Yeah. But they're restricted to Carnival Row versus them leaving. And as Agrius and Imogen are leaving, we have this quick moment where Imogen is looking out at Carnival Row and you obviously can't see each other, but Ezra is on the other side of it and he's doing the same. No, you just know that his ambition lies with and his story path is going to be all about just bounty hunting them yeah yeah fuck him that's a good boo i like that though bounty hunting because that's what agrees that he'll basically be doing what agrees his job Uh, was yeah yeah yeah, something like that (laughs) skipjack yeah another important thing i wanted i get i don't know how important it will be but they do say that philo and vignette are going to go to new freehold which is the city that agrees made his fortune in there was obviously a conscious decision for them to say new freehold but who knows if it'll mean anything because they can't leave the burg yeah, I kind of have a feeling season two is going to be an entire Berg season. Like, I'm I, okay I with that personally. Yeah, I mean, I feel like they're it's going to be a slow. It has to be a slow burn to get this whole situation figured out from the you know that we'll get into where they're trapped. Yeah. So the next thing we get is a is Jonah preparing for his speech. This is when he he has both the blackmail letter and Sophie's offer slip mm-hmm. that has written on it what Sophie Breakspear. And he realizes that the the writing is exactly identical. At the same exact moment where she walks into the room, he confronts her about it literally immediately, and she openly admits, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, it was me." And she, she even says, "Like gonna... she expressed, yeah, she yeah. expresses shock that he got it." I mean, <laughs> yeah, didn't expect you to figure that one out that quick, bro. You're dumbass, I thought, but <laughs> it's a weird dynamic because he's kind of he's showing he's not happy with her. But again, she pretty much just puts him in his place again and says, listen, once we get out there, you pick a side. And we obviously know what side he picks. So she drives the entire conversation. She lays it out saying she she said this in a speech before. I lived in the second most powerful family's house my entire life. I was cooped up there. All these powerful people were always talking down the hall. I got a hold of some information, just digging in the library, and I used this to change history. And now she's she's what she's offering to Jonah in arguably one of the more badass ways is, well, first she says, isn't it curious that the stroke of a girl's pen can change the course of history? Mm-hmm. You know, I love that. And then she reiterates the the why of why everything she the, the basis of everything she's doing is to create chaos and opportunity for them. And then she she leaves him on the note saying, it's time for you to decide, are we to be friends or are we to be enemies? Mm-hmm. And obviously, homeboy's thinking with his, his thang. So. Yeah. <laughs> and again, this is like going back to, you know, why did the brother and sister thing matter? So they're going to get married. If her end game is let's get married, join our families, we're going to be the big dogs. I mean, piety, 
everyone who knows that their brother and sister should be dead now. I mean, obviously there can be something that comes out later, like, oh, a servant heard it or something, something stupid. But again, it could be a thing that it's just like, oh, that's just done. I just I do think that it's going to be something like later, like a, a problem for them. That's maybe mm-hmm. going to ruin their political aspirations or something. I think it has to. They have to have some type of weakness. And yeah. that would I mean, that's a good one. Right. So Jonah, after this conversation and we get the question, are you going to be friends or enemies? Jonah walks into parliament and gives his first address to all of the representatives that are there, both sides. I like to call them just I'm just going to, for simplicity purposes, the pro and the anti-critch people that are all there. So when his speech starts, he just starts hitting all the all the key words that rile up politics. He's revving up to the reveal that he is going to stand with the anti-critch side. And he asks Sophie, who is the leader of the quote unquote opposition at this point, to stand with him. And she accepts the invitation and then they unite parliament. So now we know that all of the politics for Carnival Row in the next season are going to be working in the anti-progressive way. They're going to be working all against anyone that's not human. And that's right. that's going to be, in my opinion, going to be the big bad guy for the short term. Right. Yeah. Sophie and Jonah are going to be running the show. And maybe Jonah is going to be the flip flop wild card. So from the first time we see the chancellor and, you know, the pro and the anti critch situation going down, were both sides still against the pact or was it one is okay with the pact and one is against it? No, no, no. They were both against the pact, but the anti critch people, I think, Kyle, correct me if I'm wrong, were the ones that were saying we should not go to war at all. Like, don't worry about protecting the the non-humans on Tiernanok. Yeah, I just have a feeling that, like, if you want to bring the pact into it, that Sophie's going to try to, like, side with them or something. Potentially. Their goals are aligned. Yeah. They're just anti-human. Yeah, that's kind of, I mean, yeah, that's kind of what I was wondering. And, you know, this doesn't matter, but there's one thing, like, I had, like, one of those moments while the speech is going down where I was like, is Sophie going to turn on him and like own him at the end of it by, you know? And I was like, there I'm now I'm just thinking too much, but like, I, I thought she was going to somehow own him, you know, like he was going to put out his hand. She's going to own him because she's the alpha or something. Yeah. Yeah, She's the alpha. And then she takes over, Mm -hmm. but I'm, I'm down with the, the, the tag team. I really like how the scene was just kind of done, like shot and stuff, how it's, we're kind of going back and forth between Parliament and what's happening on the road, but consistently the audio is his speech the entire time. You know, so he's saying all these things about, you know, fighting a secret war and uniting to fight a common enemy. And we're getting scenes of the non-humans getting rounded up and the blockades being set up. Uh, fortunately, we, we see Afisa gets put in there, even though she's kind of appealing. Like, I was born in the burr. I was born here. Yeah. They don't was really that care. Afisa? I yeah, that was Afisa. Yeah, that was Afisa. Oh, I'm an idiot. We Go see on. Vignette get <laughs> we see Vignette get taken out of a paddy wagon or something, and she's pushed past the blockade. She calls out to Philo on the other side of the blockade and says, you know, basically don't make a scene. Flurry is the third or Tourmaline's prostitute friend from the Tetterby with the other blue-haired chick. She is freaking out about everything, and she tries to fly away and get shot. And yeah. Philo watches that happen, and right it's like, away. shit, this is some serious shit. So that is kind of the trigger almost for him. Like, I'm not going to put more between me and Vignette again. I'm not going to run away from this. You know, this is where he officially chooses a world, I guess, yeah. as to use the, the terminology of the TV show. And he passes through the blockade. The guy says to him, you know, Critch only. And he looks him in the eye and says, I am Critch. I am Queens Boulevard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you kidding? Um, you kidding? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he walks through. <laughs> And reunites with Vignette. We had a nice little hug. Yeah, no um, kiss. Are you 
kidding me? She's devastated about her friend who just got shot give down. Her, and kiss, so dude. then Tourmaline the also enters this this scene too, right? Tourmaline is, I believe, um with with the body. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So she's in the blockade too. Okay. Yeah. We're panning out a little bit. And then we get we flip from Jonah speaking to now Sophie speaking, and this is the last lines of the whole season as we're kind of zooming out on the Berg as a whole. And Sophie says, "A change is coming in this city. Together, we have crossed the line in the sand, and we can never go back." Mm-hmm. So uh, happy yeah. she got the last word. Honestly, I love Sophie, man. She's that's the big just dog. Gonna be, that's just going to be a symbolism for what the next season is, where Jonah's the big guy to the public but saying all these things, but she's the one who has the final word that I decides. Mean, that. that was another guess that we pretty much were going for, that she was going to... Like you were saying, Luke, this was a good episode for him in the, in the sense of he's not as much of a little bitch, mm-hmm. where like I still think she's going to control him, but he's still... He's been getting better and better throughout the episode. And Millworthy's definitely going to be an asset to him. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, his character. Well, Millworthy's their end to try to convince him to not be so anti-critch. I mean, mm-hmm. Millworthy and Philo are kind of boys, so I wonder if that'll be an interesting. Yeah, I mean, they got they got to get to Darius ASAP because you know that, like Darius is saying, I'm only alive because of Philo. If they're talking about all these anti-critch things and putting them all in a sequestered place, they're killing the werewolf. You know, he's, we got to get our boy Darius. He's going to have a good season two, episode one. I yeah, feel like I'm he's going to be important Darius right away. To turn and just start ripping throats, dude. <laughs> they're back filming too. I think now, I think, um, great. Taz, Tasman merchant is, uh, is Imogen. And I think she posted an Instagram picture recently about them on set. Okay, cool. All right. Well, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure if it's eight episodes, I think they said five or were already done before COVID or something like that. So, so and, we go and, final thoughts? Yeah, let's final thoughts. Let's round table this bitch because we, we've been dissecting all the main thoughts, all the main twists, all the main characters. So I'll be quick. Overall impressions. I'm going to be quick and say I liked it the least out of the group, obviously, as the group knows. my I sent some crazy texts when I watched the finale. But I liked it. So here's my thing. I would have fun fucking podcasting about a chapter from my APUS textbook <laughs> with you four, with you three. Like, I truly would. So, of course, there's a, there's a bias there. It's like, did I like the show? It's like, I loved it, but I didn't because I loved hanging with you guys and talking about it. I like it more mm-hmm. when I hear your guys' opinions and theories and everything else. I would have never finished this show. I wouldn't have even got through the first episode. I would have, I would have quit in 10 minutes if it wasn't for the pod, but it just felt like what to me? <laughs> I was like, what's the whole deal here? What are we doing? What's the point? And even for next season, I don't feel like they really left me on a cliffhanger that I care about. That could have ended there. And I'd be like, damn, that world still be <laughs> prejudice against critches, huh? And I'd be like, oh, shit, man, still. Um, but, for me, it was fun to podcast with you guys, and I think that the acting was really good, and I think that I loved some parts, but as a cohesive project or TV, I was like, okay. It was good, but and I said this in the group, I said it was good for what it was, but it wasn't for me. Yeah, it's interesting because this is the first Rooks and Vets where our first ever Rooks and Vets was Spartacus, and that was Luke specifically to me for years, but Luke, Kyle, Paul, all saying you need to watch this show. And they were hoping upon hope that I was going to say I loved it. And I did like that's the that's the cool part of Rooks and Vets, mm-hmm. you know, but it's also interesting to have another side of Rooks and Vets where 
one of us says we love the show or we like the show and someone else says, nah, I didn't really like it that much. Yeah. The only thing I would have wished from you, Kathleen, was more of that throughout the, the last couple apps. So we would have been because I like when you sent that text, I think we were all a little shocked that you didn't <laughs> like it. Because, I would agree. Because <laughs> in the pod apps, I think you must have been uh, sugarcoating then just because I, 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 we just didn't guess it. But that's the point. That's what we want to do, though. Like, we want to hear yeah. that you liked it or you didn't. Well, here's the thing. I'm not going to trash a show in its first Until it's done. two, three, four. And then I'm like, OK, this has to wrap up well. And yeah. then I'm like, oh, OK. It was just I don't think it was anything groundbreaking. I don't think it was anything. You kept saying cliche. I, I don't think they're telling a new story here. Mm. And it's slow. And if I was watching this by myself, I just wouldn't have gotten through it. But I'm watching it with you. Three of my favorite boys in the whole world. So, yeah, no, I, I liked the show. Definitely. I'm I'm down to keep. Well, obviously, we're covering season too. two. I'm, we're here. I'm, I'm you know, back. <laughs> Kathleen, after, oh, you're all, coming that, back for after all that shit, Kathleen's coming back. So I texted this crazy thing in the group about how it was making me anxious to watch it. And and Kyle goes, guess it's just the three boys for season two. And I was like, I'm honestly mad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kathleen, like, well, that's cool, though, FOMO. because I want you to be back as someone who didn't like it to see if you, if it changed yeah. your mind. Exactly. Yeah. If we see that flip where season two turns it up and the all the seed planning pays off, that's going to be even better. Yeah, yes. I think. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the show. I thought the brother and sister thing was cliche, but in general, a fantasy show. I like the lore. I like the background stuff. I understood from the start. Like Kathleen said, it's hard to get into the headspace of whether I would have been okay watching it without anybody telling me like like if I would have continued, I believe I would have. Knowing what I think that it's like a prequel setting up for something big, I'm 100% down. Mm-hmm. I liked it a lot in that in that sense. I can't imagine. I can't remember if Luke was saying this on or off pod, but I can't imagine that you get Orlando Bloom and Cara DeLevine in a room and say this is our story and it's not some epic story over however many seasons. Mm-hmm. You know, they're two A-list movie stars working on an Amazon show. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I, there's a lot of stuff that's making me want to come back. I want to come back for Philo. I want to come back for seeing what our boy Darius is going to do. Black um, Raven, I know you love that. Yeah, the Black Raven. I thought the, the Dark Asher was cool. I thought it changed a lot once we knew that it, it was a, somebody controlling it. Fucking nailed the theory, so I'm down with that. He's got a big <laughs> well, old head. Yeah, baby. victory lap. For that yeah, one. how can I say I don't like a show if I nailed the theory about? But um, I I'm good with it. I liked it. I enjoyed it. Kyle. Yeah, I mean, so I was well. Luke and I together were the driving force behind us doing the show in, in the first place. I watched it for the first time. I guess at this point, maybe like a month and a half ago. No one forced me to do so. Uh, I did it on my own. I enjoyed it because. I like, you know, the whole political intrigue stuff. I like the mystery. And I liked, especially at the end, this is the exact opposite of what Kathleen said, but I really like where they left us at the end of the season and what's, you know, what we can kind of expect coming down the pipe for season two of how the Berg really transitions to using the full force of the law against, you know, non-humans and how now Philo is fully into this world as he's not a human. He's not a half, you know, he is a critch in his mind and how they're going to, you know, kind of fight back against the system together. I think the black Raven has to have a huge part in that. I can't imagine that, uh, that Dolly is very happy now about these new laws and this new quarantine in the row. I just thought the whole basis of the show of having this underlying mystery was kind of like the perfect setup for Rooks and Vets because we could kind of me and Luke having watched the show and enjoyed it and knowing all of the information behind the mystery, getting to watch you guys, each podcast episode kind of, as the breadcrumbs are, are fed to you, you know, what you're picking up, what you're not. And then Jimmy obviously blew us out of the water with 
guessing the entire thing, which was perfect. Yeah. I mean, that was really enjoyable for us, you know, on the vet sides of things. So I think all in all season one was, a, was a success and I'm very excited for season two. Yeah. So I'm going to leave with four thoughts that I just think are my biggest takeaways from the show. Uh, the first is I thought vignette was I've said it a couple times criminally underused this season. I love her actress and she's going to be more compelling in the next couple of seasons. I think she's going to, this season was Philo's backstory and why he's going to become the most important person in this universe. And I just think it was slightly necessary to sideline vignette for that purpose alone. The second is I really enjoyed the Spurn Rose storyline, but it needs to converge with Philo ASAP Yeah, because it, it just does not feel like the same show. It just feels like a, a piece of a spinoff of this show, but mm-hmm. that needs to converge with Philo because when Agrius and Philo meet up for the first time, they're going to cause some fucking ruckus. It's going to yeah. be awesome. Third, I would die for Sophie. She's the best. Yeah. And then fourth and most important, this is my biggest gripe with the show as a whole is I care the most about the pact. And the only reason I care the most about the pact is because that's big picture world stuff. Yeah. We need what we needed in this season was maybe even a just a tiny bit more screen time for the pack. Maybe a person like a leader that we could just envision as the packed leader, right. akin to the White Walkers, where yep. we don't need to know much about him. But as the seasons go on, they give us more and more, and we become uh, to recognize who the final villain in the final episode is going to be. I wish they did a little bit more with the pact because all sure. we know of them is just an entity. I mean, even if it was something like show us a boat or like their flying thing coming towards the Berg at the end Anything. of the season. Like and then an airship like, oh, heading shit. over there, gearing up for war something. Yeah. Because I thought they were the biggest threat and they did a great job of making that feel real in the flashback episode in three. And it just felt like that died off. It's not even important anymore. Yeah, that would have brought in the Game of Thrones style where it's like, okay, the the walker the white walkers are coming but mm-hmm. we're too busy fighting each other to yeah, figure out how exactly. to exactly yeah. sophie would be cersei and yep. then the pact would be the white walkers that's how i wanted it to be at least yeah. something there i think it's still going to probably be like that it's just we didn't get that towards the end of the season which yeah. would have yeah. been a nice foreshadowing for the rest of the exactly. show maybe um, even like an after credit scene or something i but- totally forgot to say sophie in my spiel yeah love She's sophie the best. Uh, the only thing I wanted to say about the mystery that Kyle was talking about for Rooks and Vets, I like the mystery a lot. I'm just a little upset that we got it all in season one. Mm-hmm. I hope there's something that we can still have. That's true. But I don't know. It's a mystery. If well, now we'll all be Rooks. Whoa. So yeah. my last comment is going to be directly to Kathleen. And I just want to say that I completely understand all your, all your um, gripes with the show. Mm-hmm. But I am... trying to convince my own self here when I say this, that I'm looking at this season as part of the bigger picture where I'm thinking of it as Game of Thrones season one, where I personally watched Game of Thrones season one when it came out and I did not care for it that much. It was Mm -hmm. fine. It was whatever. It wasn't mainstream at the time. Who cares? It's just all set up. But then by season three, you're like, holy shit, Right. That setup was worth the payoff. And I think, and I'm praying that that's what this season was. Full introduction. Exactly. Full introductions. We're getting the different species in the world. We're getting the politics. We're getting different factions of countries. I'm just hoping yeah. that's that's where we're going. And when, when it's all said and done and season two's out, I'll, I'll feel way more comfortable recommending it to friends saying, yeah. you're not just watching season one, just watch both seasons. Right. Totally. Yeah. There's absolutely no shade because i know like you guys are the vets you watched it you said we should do the show obviously me and jimmy had not 
I, I no regrets on doing the show. Mm-hmm. I liked it. Mm-hmm. I did not love it. You know how I am when I'm obsessed with the show. It, yeah. it becomes a part of me and I can't stop thinking about it. And, I, and this did not even happen for a second with this. I do want to okay. point out that I was very reluctant to say we should podcast about the yeah. show, which is why I had Kyle test drive it. And then the second he said that this is going to be something worth doing, I was really? all in. So yeah. that's, you know, it wasn't my favorite, but I, I still like it a lot. I really yeah. do. And I, I mean, the actors, the characters, the relationships, all good. As a podcast, we were in a weird spot where we needed some one season of something to do yeah. while we're waiting for our, our big dog that we're just finishing and our big dog we're getting ready to start. Stay tuned, everyone. But uh, <laughs> it was yeah, it was exactly what we needed for the last month. Mm-hmm. You know, one season, mystery. We needed some theories. We're ready for season two when it happens. Boobs. I boobs Titties, no schlongs titties. like that's what we need for season two i want to make a, a freaking call to the director i think we're getting some uh college flashbacks of v and t next season oh well then. i don't some- need any schlongs if we get that yeah. that's you know i'm fine i want a uh vignette and tourmaline flashback episode just their relationship you know and that then, you v, know, and like, okay. v and t both know all about the book that we had them scissoring <laughs> Boy, do they. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to do a little Banco Mary to end the season. It's going to be our girl Vignette, our girl Sophie, and our girl Imogen, the three main gals of the of the Carnival Row. I can go first. Bring it. Give me a second to think. <laughs> yeah. So you don't want to go first. Um, I am going to kill Sophie. Oh, you. Which is crazy. I'm going to marry Imogen. Mm-hmm. I love Imogen now. Like, I really do. I loved that storyline. I thought that was a well-fleshed out storyline that did not fit in this seat in this. The only way it fit is that he's a, a crit. I mean, of course, the sperm rose and fire yeah. and stuff. But so I'm going to marry Imogen and I'm going to bang Vignette because those wings just lift me up, baby. Yeah, baby. You raise me up. <laughs> All right, I could jump in because I'm going to be obviously marrying Sophie. I'll do all of her bidding. I don't give a shit. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever you want, Sophie. And then I'm going to bang Vignette and kill Imogen. Or sorry, I'm actually going to bang Imogen and kill Vignette because I do not want to deal with any of this bullshit repercussions of inner human face stuff. I'll just, I'll just, you know, take one for the team and bang Imogen. For the team. Uh, no, I'm just I got two sides of this coin, man. I'm gonna marry Imogen. Okay. Me too. I think she's a nice lady, a little old for me. You know. Twenty three. <laughs> yeah, twenty three old headed back in the day. No, I think she's a nice lady. I think she'd be a, a very good person to marry. I almost married Sophie just because I'm gonna bang her, and I'm but I'm scared that I'm gonna bang her, and she's gonna be pissed at me and ruin me. She's gonna be your sibling. Yeah, no, not that she's gonna be my sibling, but she's just gonna ruin me. My political career is gonna be over after she's mad at me, and then uh, unfortunately I'm gonna have to kill V. I was gonna marry Sophie and do the same exact thing Luke did, and just said I don't care, just yeah. I'll do your bidding, whatever. I'm your little bitch, whatever. Kyle, so I will marry Vignette. Because, yeah, I think she would be a lot of fun as a wife, as long as she doesn't absolutely hate your guts and you don't fake your own death and, you know, not see her for seven years. I think you'll make out all right with her. I'm going to bang Imogen. Oh, and I'm going to kill Sophie because if you don't marry Sophie, you can't. Sophie is not a one night stand. That's exactly why I, I, but I had it. Yeah, I couldn't because I can't like she banged Jonah once and was like, 
we're in love, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, we're, I don't know if Maybe I can deal not. with that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Marry me, stepbrother. So. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to have to kill Sophie. Yeah, it's a shame, like, because V definitely would ride or die for you. Yeah. You know, like, she really would. So I, I'm sad that I had to kill her. If my head was clear, I would have probably married V and ki- and banged Imogen and killed Sophie, but we're my head's not clear, okay? I'm I'm just... Sophie just did it for me this season, yeah. and I got to give her that love. All right. For the last time, our send-off on our Bingetown TV Rooks and Vets Carnival Row series. Eight episodes. What it turned out? Six podcast episodes. We got a mystery. Jimmy guessed the whole fucking plot line of the show. Kathleen was very in tune with all of the sexual tension. <laughs> me and Luke were just kind of along for the ride. If you joined us for the whole series, which probably you did if you're here for the finale, we thank you. We love you. This was your first series listening to Town TV. We hope it won't be the last. We've mentioned almost every show we covered throughout this just one finale episode. You know, Mandalorian, we're, we're thinking about doing the, we're not thinking, we're going to do The Magician soon. We've done, you know, season seven of The Hundred. What else? Spartacus, we mentioned. It goes on and on at this point. Haunting of Hill House. The Blue yes, The Haunting series was very well received. So if you're into that stuff, definitely go back and listen to those episodes. You want to find us on social media, Instagram and Twitter. Same thing is at Bingetown TV. Podcasts are everywhere now, right, James? We're, we're on Apple. Yep. We're on Spotify. We're on Google. Everywhere. Yeah. We have our own website, BingetownTV.com, if you want to check out that. We're so we're so busy now. We have so much stuff going on. It's hard for me to remember all this stuff. <laughs> I think that's it. So without further ado, sing. Well, why don't you sing the uh, Ashling song to finish it off? <laughs> yeah, you nailed it, Kathleen. Lorelei, lie low, lie low, lie low. Yes. Oh, we love you. Bye. Fuck yes. Yeah, job, baby. Man. Damn, that is a, you know, is that is that on Apple Music?